Good morning, church. Um, we'll have some big news. I, uh, I'm born again today. I converted at the beach after hearing Ed's message. So I'm following Jesus once again. Uh, but you know, it's like every day should be like that. We recommit ourselves to Jesus and to following him. And what a treat it is. Um, it's really a gift. You know, like Christmas, what a gift we had in receiving uh, Jesus is our Lord and Savior, Emmanuel, God with us, and is a gift for me uh, to be able to preach uh, alongside Tommy and Ed. Uh, Tommy is a dear friend of mine and uh, someone who sharpens me in my walk with Christ, and Ed is a dear uh, mentor who reminds me constantly of where my identity lies. Uh, in my production, oh, right, Ed? No, just kidding. <laughs> it's in Jesus. It has nothing to do with how good I speak or how eloquent I am, but it is Christ living in and through me the hope of glory. And so today, uh, our message is simple. It's that Jesus makes all things new. And so we hope uh, you can hear that. And we decided to try a different style, you know, a little something different. And so I'm going to preach for uh, about 10 minutes, and then Brad's going to play a song for us. Tommy will come up, preach for 10 minutes. Brad will have another song for us, and then Ed will uh, close uh, then Brad will have a song. And, you know, it's going to be kind of, so I decided to go first because it's kind of like, you know, a concert you go to where the first band comes up and it's like two songs and then they like get off the stage and then you don't even know who they are. And then you kind of get settled in though with another band and that will be Tommy and then you're really there for the main show, you know, that's what, that's kind of Ed. So that's why Ed's going last so he can bring it home. You know, a boy from Kentucky, you got to get your st feet stomping and your hands clapping, right, Ed? Amen. Amen. <laughs> I love it. Well, uh, it really is a gift, and so uh, to be here. And uh, our, our passage, when we, when we got together and we looked at the lectionary, and the reading for this morning is in Galatians, uh, the epistles, and Galatians chapter 4. And it's such an appropriate text because it talks about the gift of Jesus. And as we celebrate uh, the birth of Jesus, and as Christians, uh, you know, our calendar year starts with Advent, and it, it doesn't start with. Uh, January 1st, and so we're already in the new year, and the new, and so just, it's such a morning just to reflect on the newness uh, that we have in Jesus, and the transformation that we have uh, because of him, so uh, I'm going to draw your attention, if you have a Bible, you can open up to Galatians chapter 4, uh, if not, you can just open your ears, and uh, you can hear, and hopefully, more importantly, your hearts, uh, so Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, but when the fulfillment of the time came, God sent his son, born through a woman, and born under the law. This was so he could redeem those under the law, so that we could be adopted, because you are sons and daughters. God sent this spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son or daughter. And if you are his child, then you are also an heir through God. Thanks be to God. Uh, so when Tommy, Ed, and I got together uh, last um, or not last month, earlier this month, uh, to discuss kind of what, what we were thinking about the sermon, uh, the theme of transformation came up. And we were thinking about kind of the context of today's sermon being right before the new year. And, and a lot of us, you know, are looking into the new year with eager expectations and hopes that new, the next year will be a good year. Uh, maybe for some of us this year was hard. And so we're really hoping that this next year will be a better one. Uh, and maybe some of us hope to continue the, the goodness that happened uh, in this year, in 2017. But transformation really is, you know, I don't think any of us are looking into 2018 and hope, I really hope it's a bad year, you know, just one that just takes me down, you know. I mean, we want, we want to be transformed into something new in some way, and so we, we project all our hopes and expectations onto that new year, the hope and the longing 
for something good that is to come. And as this text talks about, as Christians, we can celebrate the goodness that has come already because of Jesus. And so uh, as uh, Tommy, Bill, and I were kind of continuing to talk about this theme of transformation, we realized that so many of us, I think, fall into uh, the temptation of thinking that that transformation can only come because of our own strength. Our own strength. It, you know, if, if we accomplished our 2017 goals, it was because we were disciplined, we had the moral energy uh, and the rigor to, to, to get it done. And if we didn't, then, of course, we shame ourselves because, oh, I'm not good enough. Why do I keep eating that chocolate bar? I told myself only one helping. Or I told myself, oh, I put the ice cream in a bowl. That way I don't ever eat it out of the carton, you know? Uh, quick sign, I did eat ice cream out of a carton last night, and it was glorious, by the way. Uh, Trader Joe's chocolate caramel swirl, man, it was so good. Sorry. All right. But, okay. <laughs> um, and so when we were talking about it, I was like, man, you know, really what, what kind of hit us is to go down that path of under our own strength and it, more discipline really is to miss the whole point. And so really whether or not we accomplish our goals or we don't, really it doesn't matter. Because the kind of transformation that we really need, the kind of transformation that God desires for our life, the kind of transformation that will give us, give our soul that never-ending water that will never thirst again is, is only, only comes about because of God's power. We can never muster up enough moral courage and, and strength and discipline to bring about that transformation. It can only be done by the power of God. And as we look back in, in the life of Israel in the Old Testament, we see that this, this, uh, this is, is evident. And in fact, in Genesis chapter 1, you have, um, in the very beginning, God created, right? It's God initiated. God is the one who starts it. And then we respond. You know, we're not passive objects in this at all. Uh, God invites us as his creation into co-creating with him to be participants in God's good earth to create shalom here. But for some of us now, that can, that can be kind of hard and awkward. Uh, it might, you might feel... In like caught in a tension between, okay, so if God's one initiating this power for transformation, where does that leave me? Do I just sit back as a passive object and not do anything? What's my role to play? Uh, I love Rich, what Richard Rohr has to say, and Richard Rohr is a Catholic friar, and uh, a Franciscan friar, and a Catholic theologian. He's just so beautiful. He talks about true spirituality. In true spirituality, there will be paradox. Tommy will define paradox later. I forgot to define it in the first service, so I'll leave Tommy to define paradox for you earlier if you don't know what it is. But I'll leave it with this. Right now is that paradox is confusing. Uh, tension is hard, and we don't like that. So we want answers. No, no, just give me the list of rules to do, and I will do them. Let me execute that for you, right? That's what we want. It's so much easier just to follow a list of rules or just to moral guidelines and, and, and be comfortable with that and think that this will transform our life. But see, to do so is to, to slip subtly, but oh man, it's like starting at the, the head of a trail. It just puts us off. Right at the very beginning, it's so small, but then by the end of it, it takes us so far apart. And so from the very beginning, the Christian life is a life that lives in submission to Jesus. We have to learn from the very first step is about giving up control. And so Richard Ward talks about in the Christian life, when we give up control, we actually paradoxically find a new sense of control, controlled by the Spirit. Isn't that interesting? In giving over control, we actually find a new kind of control. 
we're not on, not on our own strength where we're going to end up shaming ourselves more because we failed, you know, or we're not as good enough Christian in some regard, uh, or thinking that God somehow doesn't care about our life. But no, when we, we learn that God is the one who will guide us and direct our steps. Uh, one of the, I think, most um, vivid illustrations of this in the Old Testament is in uh, the book of Exodus. Um, so the Hebrews were enslaved in, in Israel, and God heard their cries. So God responded, and God initiated, God acted in the world. God freed his people, brought them into uh, the wilderness wandering. It was in that time that the people who used to be defined by Pharaoh received the gift of Torah, and it, or what we hear in the New Testament called the law often, and the Old Testament too. Uh, so it was, it was a gift from God. Torah was a gift from God that they received so they would no longer be defined as slaves to Pharaoh, but as children of God, marked by Torah community, covenant community. As Christians, we too are invited to participate in a new identity, one defined not by our old life, but through a baptism, a new life, one marked by the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the things that define us. But see, so here's what you, we, we shouldn't do. Okay, okay, so now I need to go be loving. I need to go be, have self-control. I need to go uh, be faithful, and I need to go, go do all these things. See, and that's what just our nature wants to turn it into things that we can control again. And that's not what Jesus wants from us. God's calling us into to submit to him and allow his spirit to work through us and his spirit will produce in us that fruit where we will be transformed as people who are loving and caring and faithful and gentle and kind and loving. We just allow him. See, that's the beauty of the paradox. We allow the spirit to do his work in us and we will be transformed into that people. So as we continue our service today, I want you to sit in that paradox I'm hoping that we'll wrestle with this because it's not easy, especially in, you know, I think in our community, we're doers. We like to accomplish things, you know, we are, we get things done. And so to sit back and say, okay, God, where are you in this? How are you, how is your power going to transform me and move through me? That can be tough for us. That can be tough for us. So I hope you can sit in that and you continue to hear the words from Tommy and Ed and listen the beautiful music that speaks. By the way, just quick sign up. Coco, we saw that movie over uh, Christmas break. Music speaks so beautiful. I love that movie. So continue to listen, allow the music to speak to your hearts as we together are transformed by God's spirit. Amen. of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing, oh praise Him, hallelujah,
heart so strong He clouds that sail in heaven along Oh, praise Him Hallelujah Thou rising morning praise rejoice Ye lights of evening find a church thanks be to god for this beautiful morning and for uh i'm still celebrating christmas i don't know about you but um for the christmas season as james says it's all year long every sunday and every day uh here we are in church and in some churches when we read the gospel which is what i get to talk about today i get to talk about jesus lucky me uh the church congregation stands up for the reading of the gospel and we don't have I don't even have a Bible up here. I have a piece of paper. But we don't have a, a, a Bible that has, like, gold all over it, and I'm not going to kiss it, and I'm not going to bring the, the incense through here, although those aren't bad things because it's good to get the full sensory experience of God's gift to us, the Word, especially um, the Word of His Son come into the world. So let's stand up together to experience it, at least with our bodies as we uh, listen to the gospel being proclaimed. This is from John chapter 1, 
the uh, prologue, the first word in John, and it's going to be a selection, so you don't have to follow along in your Bible, but there'll be verses 1 and 2, 10 through 14, and 16 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was with God in the beginning. The light was in the world, and the world came into being through the light, but the world didn't recognize the light. The light came to his own people, and his own people didn't welcome him. But those who did welcome him, those who believed in his name, he authorized to become God's children, born not from blood, nor from human desire or passion, but born from God. The word became flesh and made his home among us. We have seen his glory, glory like that of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. From his fullness we have received grace upon grace. As the law was given through Moses, so grace and truth came into being through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. God, the only Son who is at the Father's side, has made God known. This is the word of the Lord. You say, thanks be to God. Thank you. You may be seated. I'm not going to make you stand for the whole time I'm up here. Okay, so on to Act 2, and this is the gospel as we talked about, uh, and this is Jesus coming. And this is what we celebrated last week, and we celebrated through singing, which is beautiful, and also through the word, through uh, Bill brought the uh, gospel message then. And one other thing that we did last week, which I loved, was a skit. Now, if you are sitting close to the front, you could see that God, Patrick, was uh, working on something during the uh during the whole play and then we didn't get to see it until the end really when he gave it over to luke Um, but uh, this is something to keep in mind and we have a little bit bigger representation behind me every week that we keep in mind anytime we think about the incarnation of god becoming one of us we're thinking about this this is where jesus was heading as soon as he was born into that uh feeding trough in the stables or in the cave So, Jesus, uh, he is my paradox that I get to talk about. Now, what is a paradox? Anybody? Seeming contradiction. Thank you, Bob. Very good. Yeah. You've heard of an oxymoron. That's kind of like a fun seeming contradiction, like jumbo shrimp. Um, (laughs) But the uh, paradox is kind of more of a a serious thing because that comes from the Greek, um, so that, you know, obviously it's a theological term in some ways, and Jesus, how is he a paradox? He is fully God, fully human. Just sit with that for a little bit. The word became flesh and made his home among us, or as Bill said last week, he moved into our neighborhood, and this is a paradox, but uh, as we'll see in a little bit, what when we get to see Jesus at his most fully human and his most fully God is here on the cross. But first, let's uh, ponder a little bit on our theme text for today. The John passage wasn't um, arbitrarily chosen. It was also taken from the lectionary, which a lot of churches use around the world uh, in their planning of their worship because it fits very well with the Galatians passage as well. They both talk about adoption, us being adopted into God's family and getting to celebrate that uh, adoption that we receive through our baptism and come here on Sundays every week or in other places and crowded groups, whatever else, tied, junior high group, 
um, and we celebrate who we are in Christ, that Jesus tells us who we are. The number one question most of us ask, especially young people, is, who am I? Do you know the answer to that question? Who are you? I mean, I know you, you have a name and all that stuff, but who are you is a question that uh, every young person, we believe, is trying to find an answer to. And this is what we try to do in student ministries, Matt and myself, uh, under Bill's guidance and, and through the Holy Spirit, of course. This is uh, who am I? And then there's two more important questions is really how and where do I belong? And then the third one is what difference do I make? So these are identity, belonging, and purpose. And I believe that one of the truest places or the, the best places we can receive the answer is at the communion table when we come together on Sundays and then in other ways that c we commune when we get up and talk to each other during the meet and greet time, uh, pass the peace. This is where we find out whose we are. We're God's. God calls us our ch his children. And uh, this is why Paul is able to say that he gives us a spirit that's able to cry out, Abba, Father, or Daddy, as Ed would say, or as my daughter Charlotte would say, Dada. Uh, we are his, and he says, you are mine. And we get to celebrate that at the table, but we also belong to each other. And so we find our belonging in Christ and then also to each other there. That's why we do it together. You don't get to take communion to go and do it at home alone, but you do it as a body. And then the third thing is, what difference do I make? And there's always, like, the application point of a sermon, right? So what do I do, okay? You tell me. Just let me check it off the list, and then I'll be on with my life. And this is the thing where I find an application in the communion table. Where we just give ourselves over to Jesus' broken body and find healing through that. And that's all we're called to do. Uh, or we sing praises, alleluia. We bring our worship. And this is our appropriate response. Now, another thing that we have in common between these two passages that we talked about Adoption was one of them, becoming part of God's family. But also we talked about the law in both of these. And um, I'll read the Galatians 4.4 4 again. But when the fulfillment of time came, God sent his son, born through a woman, and born under the law. Now, born under the law means that he was part of this Torah people that Matt talked about. The gift of Torah was given to Israel, and Jesus was really the fulfillment of Israel. As it said, the fulfillment of time came, right at the, at the right time, in other translations. This was a, um, a pivotal point. A, it changed all of history, especially for the people of God in Israel, that they had this law, and it had a good purpose. Now, Jesus described what that purpose of the law was. And it's in the Sermon on the Mount, and he says that I haven't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law and the prophets. And he says, all in the law and the prophets hang on this one or two commands. Does anybody know what those are? Yes? Thank you, Terry. Yes. Did you hear that? That's Matt's mom. Great job. Uh, so love God and love your neighbors. And Paul picks up on loving your neighbors as the what all the law hangs on. 
um, when he says in Galatians 5.14, that it's all been fulfilled in this single statement, love your neighbor as yourself, implying as well that we're loving God through that. Now, how do we love our neighbors, and who is our neighbor? Jesus told parables about who is our neighbor, uh, the Good Samaritan, being it's actually uh, from the orientation of the foreigner. But I have a, uh, a story, a little story about loving your neighbor, and I experienced this uh, at, at Hume Lake. Anyone been to Hume Lake before? Yes, yes, good place. God is there. God's here too, but sometimes more there. Um, <laughs> it, it's beautiful, and uh, the whole week is awesome. Uh, the students are doing amazing things together, teamwork and worship and learning, reading the Bible, all the things that a good Christian does, checking off all those lists, but then also opportunities to give their lives over to Jesus and make big decisions about how they're going to be living into their new identity in him. And on last night, we all head up to this special place in Meadow Ranch called the Victory Circle, and we hear testimonies about how God has won victories in the hearts of the students, which is really beautiful. And you hear hundreds of young people telling about the um, transformation that they have seen in their lives through God. Now, I was pretty stoked about this night because we'd have a lot of people make big decisions for Jesus during the week. And I thought as a youth pastor, I have a big job to do. I have to go back down the hill and I got to get ready for all the cabins, for all the people that are going to be like sobbing and talking about how they need prayer and have big theological questions. And I have to make, uh, I come up with all the right answers. And so I was like, okay, I got to get going. And I'm walking down the hill and I see this kid and he's not part of our group, so he's not my responsibility, right? And um, <laughs> he's walking kind of slow, like very slow. Like it's a struggle for him to walk. And he also is one of those people that you can hear breathing from pretty far away. So just kind of awkward. Um, and I'm sorry if you know or you are that type of person. I, I <laughs> God loves you. But I said, oh, man. It's a bummer he's walking alone, but he sh should have a friend. But I can't be that friend right now because I have something to do. So I kept going. And then I got down to where I was going, and nothing was needed from me. So I said, okay, I'll just sit here and work on my computer. And I saw um, that kid finally come down the hill, and some guy was with him. And I was like, oh, that's good. He found a friend. And the guy who was with him was actually one of the really cool kids that came from our group that I had never met before the week, actually. And um, I didn't. No, I thought he was just some guy with a funny hat. But he had slowed down and walked with him. And this was where I learned a lot. I didn't have any theological to teach to anyone that night. I learned what it means to love your neighbor, to give up your time, give up your agenda, and you know, give up your fear of missing out on whatever is going on in the cabin on the last night at camp. And this is really what I think is a glimpse of what it looks like to live into the love that God sent through his son, Jesus. And we talked about the, um, I said we we're going to talk about the cross. This, the cross, is, I believe, where we see the uh, two things about Jesus that make up the paradox. His humanity. He can die. He can bleed. He can suffer. But also his divinity in that he is the son of God, the God who is love. And this is how we know about God. We've never seen God, as John says, but we have seen Jesus crucified, and that is where we get to a glimpse of what God's love looks like, and that is a glimpse of the love that God has for us and the love we're invited into 
and to uh, share with each other and giving up our own agendas and our own lives for each other. And so um, that's what I invite you to do today. Amen. Well, when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, Jesus, to make all things new. 
So I'd like to continue with what Matt and Tommy have said with a story I read last week in the Wall Street Journal entitled, The Salvation of Napalm Girl. Perhaps you remember seeing the Pulitzer Prize winning photo of a nine-year-old Vietnam girl running naked down a road, screaming in pain and fear, her back, shoulders, and neck burning with a napalm bomb. Her name is Miss Kim, and she wrote the article. So I'm going to share some excerpts from the article that she wrote with you. Quote, those bombs caused me immeasurable pain over the last 45 years of my life, <clears throat> but worse than the physical pain. For years, I bore the crippling pain of hatred, anger, bitterness, and resentment toward those who caused my suffering. But now as I look back, I am thankful for those bombs. For those bombs led me straight to Jesus. Christ brought love, joy, and peace in my life. He enabled me to forgive those who wronged me to pray for my enemies instead of curse them, to love those who had done me so much harm. So just at the right time, God sent Jesus to Miss Kim to make all things new for her. About 20 years after the death of Christ, a young man named Saul was traveling down a road to Damascus. At that time, Saul would describe himself as a person who put confidence in the flesh. He was born of the house of Israel, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, a Pharisee. As regards to the law, he was blameless. He was advancing in his years beyond many of his contemporaries. He was zealously persecuting the church and trying to destroy it. And like Ms. Kim, this road led Paul to an encounter with the risen Christ. And in the fullness of time for Saul, everything became new. He was changed from the chief prosecutor of the church to one of the chief apostles of the church. He changed his name from Saul to Paul. <clears throat> the apostle that took the, the message of Christ to the Gentiles. He was changed from a person of the flesh expressing anger and hatred and resentment and selfish ambition toward this young church to a person of the spirit expressing love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, humility, and self-control. That's what marked his light. And he said, that is not just for me. That is the fruit of the spirit of Jesus living in everybody. So Paul preached the gospel he received from the risen Christ that God loved us 
even while we were yet sinners, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, that if anyone be in Christ, they are new creations. Old things are passed away and all things are become new. That God has made us his beloved adopted sons and daughters. That God put his spirit within us so that no person or no thing can take us out of his hand. That God put Christ in us and God put us in Christ. That nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And that God has said he will never leave us nor forsake us. And we don't need to fear what man shall do unto us. And that God will complete the good work he started in us. And he will not stop until Christ is formed in us. Note that these words are the words of God himself. They are de his declarations regarding us. They do not depend on how we feel. They are objective statements of fact of what God has accomplished in his redemptive work in the death and resurrection of Christ on our behalf. They are for anyone who opens their life to God and surrenders their life to him. So as we approach this new year, the question is, what road are we on? In the fullness of time for us, what is about to be made new in our lives? Now, as Matt said, we're tempted to make a list of resolutions that will improve our lives at this time of year. Lose 20 pounds, be more patient, reduce time spent on social media, and so forth. And I'm not trying to downplay resolutions in any way, but to be honest, none of those things has ever worked for me. May I, in all humility and respect, suggest that you consider another approach this year. May I suggest you join me in surrendering yourself totally to God. I know it's scary, and in fact, it's terrifying to give up control of your life to someone you've never seen and you've seldom heard from. But let me say, <clears throat> it has made this time the best, most exciting time of my life. If this sounds in any way an adventure in which you might be interested, may I suggest that you give God a chance to transform your life and make the fruit of his spirit a reality in you. Perhaps there's someone here today struggling with <clears throat> an addiction of some sort. 
Maybe pornography, maybe alcohol, maybe drugs, so forth. Perhaps someone is here today struggling with a relationship, a marriage relationship, a relationship in your family, a work relationship. I am convinced that there is no situation that God cannot redeem. There is no there is no situation that he cannot make whole. <clears throat> May I suggest that you turn yourself, your struggles, your tribulations, your addictions, and so forth, over to Jesus and let him manage them. He is the one who said, in the world you're going to have tribulations, but I have overcome the world. He is the one that said, Come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So may we <clears throat> this year let Jesus make all things new for us. In a few minutes, we, like millions of Christians all over the world, are going to be celebrating the Last Supper of our Lord, where he said on the last night of his life, the Lord took bread, and when he had broken it, he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So let's remember, as Matt and Tommy have said, all that Christ has done on our behalf all that he is for us right now. Let us, as we partake of these elements, rejoice and give thanks for God's amazing redemptive work in Jesus and that in Jesus all things are new. Thank you.